Welcome to everybody. Really thankful to have all of you here today. Appreciate you taking the time to be here. We have lots of things that would distract us into doing other things, whether we actually get any weather or not. We, we certainly are being told by all the, the weather channels that you turn to that we're supposed to be afraid. And you're so afraid that you decided to come to church. So I'm really, really thankful for that. I think it has more to do with not being afraid. And so you're at church. I'm really glad you're here. Appreciate you joining us. If you're with us online, we're really thankful that you would be willing to join us, and we want to ask that you would uh, be sure and, and give us a, a like, or, and maybe even subscribe to our channel if you've joined us today. If you're new to our uh, YouTube live feed, we want to be sure and direct you to our website, ljchurch.org. There you'll have access to our weekly caring and sharing, which we publish here live, but also we make sure is available uh, online as a digital form, lots of good things there that you can access anytime, anywhere. Also at the website, you'll find access to our Facebook page, and I encourage you to get involved in that conversation. And finally, again, if you're new to us and would like to get notifications about upcoming worship services and a, just a few other things that are going on, we would ask that you would text LJC Update to 979-217-3300. If there's anybody here present that is not getting those notifications, you need to do exactly the same. Appreciate all of you being here. Well, we got off to a really great start last week. I want to thank each and every one of you for the way that you helped support our Sunday AM Kids for Christ programming that got going and the way that you supported our adult Bible class as well. Really appreciate it. It was great to look in there and see all those folks there. Uh, we, uh, above all else, just have to say thank you for your gracious kindness and your cooperation with those protocols. As I heard from teachers and I heard from parents, there was just a whole lot of buy-in to how we needed you to be careful, and we appreciate you supporting us in that way. I just need to say that we still could use some more help. We're kind of having to cover a few extra bases than we used to, and if you would be willing to come here and be part of what's going on at 9.30 in the morning or during the service with our Kids for Christ programming, please let us know at the office and we'll direct you to the appropriate people. As you also know, I just want to remind you one more time, we have things going on on Wednesday night. If you're in fifth grade through high school, there's a couple of different classes that are available, available for you there. And for all our adults and for anyone that would like to join us from 6.30 to 7.30, the Can I Trust the Bible class that I'm teaching, we've had a great start to that. You can be there in person. There's still plenty of room for you to be there in person, particularly if you're dropping off a 5th grader through 12th grader. I don't know, do we drop off 12th graders anymore? They're usually pretty independently mobile. But if you're dropping anybody off, you're welcome to stay. Uh, but you can also join us online. There's a couple of ways to make sure that you get that notification that you can see there on the announcement. I'd like to invite Randy Moore up to give us the latest update on what's going on with Mike Garner and the Disaster Assistance Ministry. Uh, just a quick update. We had uh, loaded up the church trailer on Monday, and Peter and Gary McBrayer and myself took over a pretty full load. And then while we were there, we unloaded a refrigeration trailer and took it back over to the church. Uh, it wore us out, but it was good. Um, the good thing was is that we were able to leave our trailer there and they were able to hand out the material that was on the refrigeration trailer as people were coming through. And uh, they have fed over 60,000 uh, people in these last couple of weeks. And uh, 
he's going to be picking up and moving. We were going to go over on Tuesday. There was a, a message that went out for people to sign up. Well, don't do that. Uh, he's moving, and we were going to need to go and move a trailer for him, but it looks like he's got that taken care of. But just keep it in your prayers. He's moving to Somerdale, Alabama, and uh, which will be just north of uh, Ocean Beach, and uh, which is where most of the, uh, I would say, hard-hit families and stuff are. Just keep it in your prayers. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. And what we know is that 60,000 meals was somewhere in the middle of the week. And so he's uh, just, just a lot of great stuff. We also would want you to know that uh, as a place that a lot of the donations come for him, uh, it's really amazing to see the entire nation and folks from all kinds of different denominations supporting his work and really, really thankful for that. And I think that you... Uh, need to continue to keep him in your prayers. As we begin uh, our time of worship, would you please stand with me at this time? We're going to be reading from Psalm 67, and I ask you to read along with me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and bow down before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love towards me. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your love. That I would be set free.
like to dismiss the kids that will be going to stage two at this point and also praise kids. So if we'll let them get out easily. Lay your burden down, every care you carry, and come to the table of grace, for there is mercy.
be seated. If you would, uh, join me in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for this wonderful day you've given us to be able to, to come here, Heavenly Father, and to worship you. We thank you for everyone here, for all the work that's been doing to be able to, to get back and worship you in some kind of normalcy. And we want to continue that. And we know we will come out even stronger amid all the things that's been going on this whole year. Heavenly Father, be with uh, those that can't be here this morning, those that are in nursing homes, those that are at home sick. Pray that you uh, be with us and help us reach out to them and, and keep them included in our worship, Heavenly Father. Uh, be with us as uh, this next couple of days with all this storm. Uh, you be with those that are in our community. Help us to be uh, there for each other and for the responders as well. Uh, just continue to be with us throughout this worship. Forgive us of our sins and Christ in his name. Amen. Old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains a cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. You cause your son to Shine on darkest night. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. The hopeless have found their
1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like the living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you, Callan. Uh, folks, that's not an easy passage to read, and he did a great job with it. Somebody, can y'all give him an affirmation for that? I, you, you, you set out to do your best with things. I don't know if you've experienced this, and you, you just can't seem to quite get over the hurdles uh, sometimes. But I want to tell you that I messed up this week in the Lake Jackson update. I announced a very special anniversary that took place on Friday, Bob and Wanda Long. Um, you don't want to know the whole story about how many ways I messed this up, but what you heard was that I said they had only been married for 50 years. That's wrong. They have earned five more years and have been married for 55 years. Bob and Wanda, would you please stand and let us acknowledge you. I just want to re-say what I said uh, in the update because I know that only about 50 people watch the update. Um, there, there are a couple that bless the Lord individually, each of them, with their own unique set of gifts. But what's really been neat to watch, and I'll ask forgiveness, I can't remember how many years you've been here. Has it been close to seven, eight? Is that about right? Thirteen years? I've only been here 12, and you came after I got here. No, okay, all right, good to know, good to know. Once again, you set out to do good things, and you just keep falling on your face. But what I have noticed is that not only have they blessed us individually with the unique gifts that they have individually, but as a couple, there's a profound sense in which the two of them do ministry together and bless us together. And uh, their marriage is a blessing to them, their marriage is a blessing to their family, and their marriage is a blessing to our congregation. And let's affirm that their marriage is a blessing to the kingdom of God. Amen? Again, give your affirmation to Bob and Wanda. It doesn't show up in the translation that we put on the screen, but if you look at some other translations, that last phrase in the, in the scripture that Callan read so well could potentially be a little verse from a song or possibly just a little rhyme that, is, that, Paul puts, uh, me, that Peter puts in there. It better get better as far as <laughs> the is concerned. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And, and even in English, you can kind of hear the rhythm of it as if it were a song. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is language that is seated in uh, what Peter puts together there as comparing the church to the people of Israel. The same words, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, are words that were applied to Israel at Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. And the prophets will bring up at least an illusion on a regular basis. God chose you. Don't forget your choosing. And Peter wants to say to us, do not forget that you have been chosen. That you are a special people. That once you weren't a people and now you are not just a people, but you are a people of God. And once you had not received mercy. And here is the key reminder. Because in many ways, the Jews of Jesus' day, and to a certain extent, 60, 70 years later, as Peter writes to these folks, these peop- the Jews had forgotten that their calling as a people was not something that was based on how special they were and how wonderful they were, but was based solely and completely on the mercy of God. Somebody say amen. And in reality, sometimes we might forget that the fact that we are joined together on this service on YouTube, or we're joined together here in person in this place, and we may think that, oh, God thinks we're really special. No, what God really thinks is that these are the people that have accepted the mercy that I have, that I have offered to everyone. They have accepted it, and they've accepted the responsibility to go with it, that comes with it. It's a powerful calling. It's a powerful thing to be chosen by God. Shakespeare's famous line is very appropriate here. A rose by any other name would still be? A rose by any other name would still be a? And it would still smell as sweet. We look at the names that are applied in the New Testament, and again, particularly this morning, we're going to look at some of the names that are applied to the church, or that which I last week introduced, the fellowship, that is what we are, and if it's not completely what we are, it is definitely all about how we are. So, the first name that's applied to us, on that first day, when we kind of see the church as being founded, it is called the fellowship. They dedicated themselves to the teaching. And the people that dedicated themselves to the teaching of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus were called and were signaled out and acted into what was called the fellowship and then to also the breaking of bread together. Tying their lives together, unified under that new teaching of Christ as Son of God and Messiah, tied together in a fellowship that was anything really that that was going to be expressed at that time that anybody had seen. How can this diverse group of people fit together? It must be something called a fellowship. And because they had that fellowship, they broke bread together, both in observing the the table, the supper that we celebrate together, but also in the way that they shared common meals together. A little later in the book of Acts, we have this other label called the way. Chapter 9, Paul gets letters to go to Damascus to persecute all the men and women who followed something called 
the way. And you can understand why they might say something like that. Because Jesus describes himself the way, the truth, and the life. And even the way those three things are stacked up, they're not necessarily independent. It is the way of truth and the way of life. And so those who follow Jesus might be identified as those of the way. You've heard that phrase before. It's not that the way was different than the fellowship. It was just a different description of what those people were doing. Arose by any other name. But you know the phrase over and over again that comes up throughout the New Testament. The church. You call yourselves a church. You call where you're going a church. You call what you're doing being church sometimes. You think of yourself as a church. This is a description that we are comfortable with and that we are familiar with. But where does it really come from? The church is a word, and forgive me for this, please. It's a word that gets used all throughout Paul's letters. It is going to be used, even Jesus, in Matthew chapter 18, will talk about the church, the members of the church. If there's a, a division or if there's a difference between members, two members of the church... And so we see that the Gospels not only tell the story of Jesus, but they tell the story of Jesus to apply it to the life of the church. Matthew's the only one who would use that term in his liter literature. Paul will carry it on, and even John, as he closes out the New Testament and eagerly anticipates the new creation that's going to come, talks about the church. Well, I don't do this very often, but I'm going to throw it up here, so forgive me ahead of time. The word that we translate church is a word that you pronounce ekklesia in the original language, in the Koine Greek, ekklesia. Do you mind saying it with me? Ekklesia. Okay. Ekklesia is an interesting word. And it is interesting that, in reality, as the New Testament writers began the process of saying, what are we going to call this thing that are the people who follow Jesus, the people who submit to the apostles' teaching, the people who engage in a unique and different kind of fellowship than we've ever known before, the people who are going to break bread together over Jesus Christ, what are we going to call this? Now, I need you to know that the easy answer would have been to say, it's exactly like what the Jews gather in, and we'll call it the synagogue. Paul, when he goes out on his missionary journeys, he arrives in a town, and if there are enough Jews in that town, ten families is what is thought of, then he would have gone to the first place he would go, would have been to the synagogue, to preach the gospel of the Messiah of God, the people of Israel fulfilled in Christ Jesus as its new Messiah, and now God's chosen people as those who follow Jesus, who not who submit to uh, the Mosaic law, as it were. But it would have been real easy because that's where they kind of first got associated. Well, those are the folks that came out of the synagogue. And they could even claim, and by the way, this is a common way that the New Testament writers talk. Peter is talking about the new Israel, the new called people of God are is the church, those who are following Jesus. So it would be almost logical to say, let's just call it the synagogue, the place where people get together to honor God, to read His Word, and to worship together. Sounds simple, correct? 
Except it seems in this one instance, they wanted to separate themselves from some Jewish tradition. And by the way, this might also be logical as well. Because as many synagogues would accept Paul and the teaching of Jesus as the Messiah, you also know that almost all of them kicked him out so that they had somewhere else to go. So they need a word. Well, it's interesting. Ecclesia is a word that comes from five centuries before Christ. And it doesn't necessarily come from the Old Testament scriptures, although when the Old Testament is translated into Greek, the Hebrew into the Greek, the word ecclesia gets used on occasion, a few other operative words for some type of assembly. About five centuries before Jesus, in the Greek city-state, it was known, first of all, as the way that a, a army, a conscripted army, would be called out to defend the people. As there were less and less concerns, and by the way, they weren't, were no longer fighting for their independence, but instead were just kind of doing a little bit of self-rule under other kinds of, of leadership, they then began to call this ecclesia was this group of being called together to do the business of the city. It was an important group that, that kind of led the city, a little bit like the city council might be called in that way. But certainly, it was always a group of people that was singled out for a very special purpose, whether it was defending the homeland or whether it was ruling the homeland well, they were called out for a special purpose. Because what's interesting is, is the word ekklesia is in reality a combination of two words in Greek, one kaleo, which is to call. And by the way, we'll read it in just a second. When Jesus walked along the Sea of Galilee, he called Peter, Andrew, James, and John. You've heard that phrase before. Called out. The people who are called out to be unique. The people who are called out the way that Abraham was called out from all the peoples of the world. The way that the, the Jews, the way the Israelites under Moses were called out from all the other nations in the world to be God's special people. To be called out. I don't know so much as to defend the homeland as it is to stand up for Christ and his kingdom. The idea that we are called out to be a people who help the world be the best it can be. This is actually almost connected to the idea that when, Abraham, when Adam was, called, was made and he, God calls him and says, I need you to take care of this garden that I've placed you in. And there's a certain extent to which the church is called out to take care of this garden, this thorny, messed up garden called the world, but I need you to work in it. And I need you to work in it to bring about my good. So forgive me for that little journey into languages. But ultimately, what are we called out to do? Let's make a quick journey through the life of Christ, if you don't mind. First of all, Mark chapter 1, you recognize this, I mentioned it ago. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the, into the lake. They weren't just doing this for the fun of it, they were doing it because this was their profession. They were fishermen. Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And their reaction, at once they left their net, their livelihood, to go and follow him. One thing had defined who they were, fishermen. Now they're going to be defined by following Jesus. Little did they know how much their life was going to change because of that decision to leave their nets behind. You and I 
are called before any other thing to follow Jesus. If we are to be the church, if we are to be the fellowship, there can't be anything else that we're following that's more important than Jesus. And there can't be anything that defines us more specifically than who Jesus is. I think sometimes we have the temptation to say, well, I'm a Texan, and that defines who I am. I wasn't born here, but I have grabbed that nomenclature for my own life. I got here about 15 months old. Not my fault that I was there. Dad was working on his Ph.D. in Iowa. Not my fault. Both born, they were both born in Texas, and they got me back here as fast as they could. I'm a Texan. Could it be that we ever get confused about, instead of saying, I follow Jesus first, we say, I'm an American first. And we somehow absorb some sort of sense that being American is the same as being a Christian. When in the reality, we don't have to hear the story of America very long to recognize that the idea of power and that might makes right seldom if ever goes together with a crucified Savior and Lord. So it's who we are, followers of Jesus. So now let's go follow Jesus. Because see, what the first disciples did, maybe more than hearing the teaching of Jesus, although I'm sure they heard lots of conversations from Jesus, and sometimes where he would stop and make a very direct kind of teaching, but maybe above all else what they saw was the teaching. What they saw Jesus do taught them what it was that Jesus was trying to bring into the world and what he wanted people that followed him to do. Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, by the way, this is the mountainside of the Sermon on the Mount. He's just preached one of the longest sermons that we have recorded for us, if not the longest sermon. Came down from the mountainside, large crowds following him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before, he, before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Have you ever said, Lord, if you're willing? I think sometimes we stand in exactly that place. Lord, I've, I've, I've messed up. I have significant brokenness in my life, and I'm, I'm not sure that you even want me. And if you haven't felt that feeling, what I can guarantee you is that on every single day that you go out and go to the HEB or go to the Walmart or go to the Kroger or go to work, you will run into people who haven't necessarily rejected Jesus because they don't want to believe in a Messiah, but they have pushed Jesus away because they think their life is so broken, that their trauma is so great, that surely he's not willing to have someone like me. And by the way, unfortunately, more times than not, the way people who call themselves by the name of Christ, the church, treat them affirms exactly that feeling. Jesus reached out his hand. And I love this. Could Jesus have just said, be healed? What we know is that he could, because he's done that before. That wasn't enough for this guy. He reached out and touched the man. And then said, be clean. And notice that the touch precedes the cleansing. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be people who are called out, 
to be people to represent what Jesus looks like, then we're going to have to be folks that are not afraid of evil invading us when we get in its midst, but are willing to see ourselves touching the lives who don't have their life all together the way that God would want them to. They don't live in a way that seeks his blessing, but they desperately need what Jesus has to offer. Let's keep going. John chapter 4 tells the story of Jesus with a woman, a very unique woman. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Just think of all the power that's wrapped up in that one little statement. First of all, be sure, I didn't read the context, but Jesus is traveling through Samaria. Not something normally done by good Jewish people. By the way, particularly Jewish rabbis who were teachers. They would never lead their disciples into Samaritan territory because you might run up against one of them and have to rub elbows with them and you never want to do that. And that idea was so firmly planted in the psyche of that culture that you didn't want to touch them. You didn't want to drink from the same water fountain as them. You wanted to be sure they were in the balcony of the auditorium instead of in the main seats. You didn't want to go to the same hospitals with them. You didn't want to have anything to do with them. And so even a conversation that might start off with, come serve me, is interrupted immediately by someone who knows the rules so well that she says, no way you should even be speaking to me. She's angry because people have told her She's not worthy and not good enough. And by the way, if you read the rest of the story, you know that it's more than her just being a woman and it's more than her just being a Samaritan. It has to do with her moral life. And Jesus won't play. He answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now think about this. Not only is he willing to give her living water, he's in Samaria and he still has access to living water and can give it to her wherever he is. Not only that, but it doesn't matter how broken her life is, his living water can overcome any of that brokenness. And number three, notice that he is not afraid of her anger and her hatred. I am willing to bring goodness and mercy and kindness no matter what kind of anger you want to throw back at me. I will go wherever there is a need for people who have living water. And maybe the thirstier they are, the more I want to be there. Let's keep reading. Jumping down to Luke chapter 6. But to you who are listening, I say, and by the way, that phrase doesn't just mean just the casual observer, those of you who are sitting out in the crowd. When he says, for those who, you who are listening, he means for those of you who are serious about this. You don't want to just hear these words, you want to do these words. But for you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you in one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. If they're going to take advantage of you, you don't rise up in righteous indignation. You don't rise up and say, it's my right. Instead, you love and care for them however you can in that moment. And just when you think that these are just words that Jesus is speaking, what is he really going to do about it? Luke chapter 23 takes us to the cross, and they come to the place of the skull, and they crucified him there. Let's be sure who all they is included here. Jewish leadership who condemned him, Romans who were going to enact the death penalty, and every single person who has sinned against the reality of Jesus as Son of God and Messiah, they crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. And you know what he said. Father, forgive those Jews who are continuing to shout curses at me. Forgive these Romans who've nailed my hands to this cross. Beaten me. Brought every abuse that they had ever wanted to bring on any Jew that they had gotten tired of because they lived... They were living in this place where nothing was like they wanted it to be. Forgive them that have in the past, that have today, and that will forever sin against you, Father, and hurt me. Forgive them so they don't know what they're doing. Acts chapter 11 will kind of put a cap on it. And say it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. And I will tell you that for most of my life when I've looked at that phrase, it's just kind of meant somebody who follows Jesus, a little Jesus. Unfortunately, the word Christ is not the word Jesus. The word Christ is Messiah. Those who were bringing in the reign of God, those who were following the chosen one of God, those who were doing not just what Jesus as a man did, but Jesus as God's son was the one who was going to change the world. That's who they looked like. And that's what they were doing. That is what they were called out to do and be. So what is being a called out people? Three quick implications, if you will. First of all, you heard this one last week. If we're going to be called out the way Jesus wants us to be called out, then there is absolutely no way that we're going to never allowing our fellowship to be defined by the limits of church times and church places. The best things that Jesus did were not when he was standing on the, on the mountain and preaching that wonderful sermon. By the way, am I thankful for the sermon? Yes. But to a certain extent, the sermon is less full of meaning and power if he doesn't come down from the mountainside and just kind of happen to run into somebody who was untouchable. That without Jesus is not too different from me. You see, we cannot be defining who we are as the people of God, who we are as the called out ones, the ecclesia, the church, 
as the fellowship who is about the business of Jesus. We cannot define that by what happens in this time and what happens in this place. And I'm going to keep coming back to that. Secondly, if we're to be a called out people, we're going to have to be a people who are finding our way into the lives of those who are not the right kind of people. Well, he's just not the right kind of person. Well, she's just not the right kind of person. Now, I want to be sure and say here, these are not the people that you build your fellowship around, that you build your, your intimacies around. But the idea that you isolate your life so much into the church things that you are not involved and you're not looking for ways to get involved in the lives of people who haven't seen Jesus the way you've seen him and haven't experienced his mercy the way you've experienced him, then you're missing what Jesus did on a day-in, day-out basis. And while you may not call them the right kind of people, we always have categories that our minds put people in almost instantaneously. We had a son named Drew who tended to have a difficulty between what a thought went in his head and what a word came out. And when you went to the grocery store, you had to be real quick to put your hand on his mouth because he had lived in a group of people who did things the way he thought things were supposed to be done. He went to church with a group of people who did things the way things were supposed to be done. And when he saw people that weren't doing the things the way he thought they ought to be done, he was pretty quick to identify it. I'm not sure that I should feel all that good about how quickly he could say them as opposed to how can we help. Finally, if we're going to be a called out people, we have to let grace flow out of us the way God has poured it into us. Somebody say amen. I don't know where I would be without Jesus. I might still clean up pretty good. I might still have enough charisma to kind of be able to make my way in life. But what I know is that life would be empty without Jesus. And this is not something that I get to stand up and say, look how special I am. What this does is say, who have I invited into that love, into that mercy, into that grace, and into that kindness? There's one more come out that I want you to hear from John chapter 11. You might know what this is if you know the story. Lazarus, come out. Now, by the way, the word come out there is not ecclesia, just so you know. Don't come be church. But isn't it amazing how the way church, ecclesia, called out, and those who would be raised from the death of sin through the waters of baptism are called out. I don't know where you are in your life, but I can promise you that God has more through Jesus Christ. 
And you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been baptized. I read my Bible all day. I pray. Good. I'm thankful for that. I will promise you God has more. And the question is whether you've said, Spirit, come and fill me so that I can be the more that you want me to be. Not because I'm so good, but because you're so wonderful. If you're with us on YouTube, feel free. If there's something that you wish to, some way that we can help you to become more of what God wants you to be, you can send that request to that number. We'll find someone that will be glad to enter into relationship and conversation with you. So the question is whether we're ready to move from life, from death to life, or maybe just the question is are we ready to move from some of the life God wants to even more of the life God wants? Won't you come? Come out as we stand and as we sing. How sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those that love the Lord in one another's peace delight and so fulfill the word when each can fill his brother's Supper. It's my honor to introduce uh, some new members that want to place membership here. Vic and Vicki Fagan, if y'all would please stand up. Uh, they moved here from Bay City. Yeah. And they're going to be uh, placing membership here, working with us, and being part of our group. And so I'd like to uh, uh, say a special prayer for them right quick at this moment before the Lord's Supper. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the grace and the mercy that you have shown to us as your called out people. And Lord, let us always be uh, humbly willing to live a life worthy of that calling. And we're just thankful for uh, Vic and Vicki as they have moved into the community and are willing to work beside us. Just let us welcome them with open arms and, and uh, love them and just uh, love them like all people should love. Uh, and just thankful for their lives and for the uh, Wes and Sharon and their grandkids. It's been a blessing to have them, and we know that they will be a blessing to us. Let us be a blessing to them as well. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Jesus Christ is Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ. 
morning. Hey, uh, you know, in the world today, we're going to want to talk about a little bit about joy and about how to find it. So I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, I'll tell you what, as we're looking for joy, what, are we, what can we do about it in order to find it or attain it? So my first thought is pretty simple. Go buy a boat. Go buy a boat. Let me ask you about this. Have you ever seen a picture of a fisherman holding the fish he just caught without a smile, ear to ear, because he's so happy? Amen. Amen. That's right. So I say we all go have these and buy a big boat. But the problem is with this is that uh, there's a saying that a fisherman's greatest days, happiest days, is the day that he buys his boat, shortly followed by the day that he sells his boat. So evidently, joy is not everlasting on that. So the next thing I was thinking, I say, uh, well, um, how about we fix up our lives, our, our own homes? Uh, we can remodel. How about that? How about we remodel our homes? All right, get the latest and greatest, the stainless steel appliances. We'll get the, uh, you know, not the bullnose granite, but the, the bevel cut granite and the farmhouse sinks and the latest laminate flooring. I mean, we'll be the toast of the town. They, they keep up with the Joneses. We're going to be renamed the Joneses because they're going to try to follow us. But the problem is with these trends, this thing, they cycle every few years, right? Every 10 to 15 years with the new thing, the latest and greatest is not always the best. Uh, case in point, shag carpeting. Big rage, not so much anymore. So I tell you what, so we, uh, how about this? How about we, we go somewhere? How about we go uh, drive up to Houston and... Uh, you know, get on a plane. How about that? We go get on a plane and we go fly somewhere that can bring some joy. How about we go see, oh, I don't know, let's go eat lunch underneath the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Or go see the, the crystal blue seas underneath the, the Caribbean. Or how about this? How about we go to the green rolling fields of Ireland? Now that would bring some joy for some time. You can actually go to a place and bring joy. Well, the problem is, has anybody ever lived after a suitcase after a while? I mean, eventually you got to go back to the real world. You've got to sit there and you've got to do your own laundry. And you miss home. You miss being around the people that you love and you grew up with. So here's, here's what I, I say. So you can't buy anything that brings you joy, right? And you definitely can't set up your own life that brings any everlasting joy. And lastly, you most definitely can't go somewhere that will bring you everlasting joy. So what does that leave us with? That leaves us with only one thing that can bring true joy and the joy of Jesus Christ. And we're here to, to celebrate the remembrance of him in the Lord's Supper. Bow with me as we give thanks for the bread. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this gathering of a great, wonderful people. We ask that uh, you bless this time together and bless this bread that represents your broken body on that cross. We ask that uh, we come to you and, and think about your, your life that you led and the sacrifice that you made. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In his mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Lord, thank you again for this time we come together and ask for uh, blessings on this fruit of the vine to our minds represents your shed blood. Again, Lord, let us come to you humbly, remembering uh, your sacrifice and what it meant, what it means for our lives, the joy that it brings, and the hope that it brings. And it's his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm here to talk about life groups for a minute. We've had a long six months. Uh, it's been a long six months where our, our fellowship has been different. And in a lot of ways, if you've, been, if you've been watching streaming services, it's kind of one way. And, and that's hard when, when everything is one way. And life groups are coming back next weekend. And this is our chance to, to get a little more two-way into our lives. To get some groups, some smaller groups of people that can discuss and study the Bible and pray together. And these are things that I've been missing I've been missing them for, for a lot of months now. And I've, I, first, uh, I first started discovered life groups when we moved here around 12, 13 years ago now. And it, it was uplifting for me then, and I've, I've been a, a huge fan and, and every, ever since then. It's a, it's a shot in the arm at the, end of the, at the end of the week, and it gets me ready to go. And now we've, we're ready to get these started again. I'm going to introduce you to the groups we're going to have this year, and then the signups are going to be a little bit different this year, so we'll want to talk about that. But first, I want to just talk about the groups for, for a second. Um, the first one is the McBrayer Life Group. Now, now Gary has had a group for a few years. It's going to be a little bit different this year because some members are, 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 are leaving us. But Gary's still going to have a group. And if, if you're interested in that group or if you've been part of that group, it will be here, and they'll be meeting on Sunday before dark. Now, that's critical, before dark, because our time is about to change. Every year, the legislature makes us, takes away some of our daylight. And if, and if you don't, if you like that daylight and you want to meet while it's still there so you get home, this is the group for you, because it will be meeting a little bit earlier than most of them. But it'll be meeting in person at the McBrayers. If you have any concerns about distancing or masks, um, talk, to, talk to Gary and, and see what they're planning to do to to address those concerns, and that goes with all the groups that we're meeting, uh, that are meeting in person. Uh, there, there's a number of different formats this year. The second group is um, the, the Nisbet's group. Um, Craig is gonna have one again this year, and it's gonna start on six, at 6.15 on Sundays, and they're gonna be looking at uh, this TV series. You may have heard of it, it's called The Chosen, and, and the idea behind this, uh, this is that you're going to watch these. I think they're pretty long, so they're, I think they're like an hour, like a standard format TV series show. So they're going to take a little, you're going to do that during the week, and you'll come and you'll discuss it, and it's a, it's a series about Jesus. Um, that's going to be meeting at Craig's house. Um, the Fagans will have their group. Uh, they've had it traditionally in the last couple of years. They've had it here in the building. That's going to continue. Um, it's going to be right after Sunday services. So... If you, if you want to keep going and, and you just enjoy that fellowship with that group after, after Sunday services, that's, a, that's an option for you as well. Um, 
the hunts are going to have their youth life group. It's going to be starting 6 p.m. on Sundays. Um, uh, right now at the hunts house, they may move that one around. I know that that's a that's a very um, an, a good group for the youth. Um, their topic is going to be "I Am," the statements of Jesus. So, so keep that in mind for the youth. That's what you'll be looking at this year. You also have the More Life group, and and Randy hosts this one, and it's co-led by Chad Apney and, and Kevin Hunter. So we had this group last year, and it meets at 6.15 on Sundays as well. A lot of the parents of youth have, have um, started joining this group um, because it, it gives you a good opportunity to drop your kids off at the 6 o'clock one, and then, and then um, you can pick them up after that one's over. But, but there are some other options. I think Craig's is at 6.15 this year too, so I wouldn't let that get in your way. If you're interested in what Craig is doing, that you, you have that opportunity as well. But um, the Moors are going to be doing a study with, um, on First Peter with um, Kyle Eidelman. It's a um, Right Now Media study. And there are a number of groups doing that. That's one that we've looked at as a, as a, that we've been offering for, for many of our groups to do. And Alan, the, Richie, Alan and Sharon Richie are going to have their life group. And theirs is on Tuesday this year. Last year it was on Thursday, correct? But they've moved it to Tuesday. And so um, it's a, it starts at 6.45 p.m., it's going to be um, on First Peter also, um, but if you if you want to get out, I mean, we've been talking. He mentioned last week that that we don't want our our lie, our Christianity to just be one day of the week, and this is a great way to um, to keep that fellowship going through the week. And so, if if you're interested in that and, and have a have a Tuesday that you want to dedicate to to this fellowship, that's a great great idea as well. And that one will meet in person and Zoom. I think what what is it? Eight people you're going to try to have a target of eight people in your in your home, and then the, and then the rest can call in with Zoom. And I'm sure there's some logistics to that that you can that they, that you guys will work out when you when you talk with um, Alan. And if I'm correct, the, the Randy's group is going to be the same way. There's going to be a mixture of of Zoom and uh, these larger groups. You may not want to have so many people in a room, but but that uh, talk to the leaders and you can get that worked out and how that's going to work. And the final group is, is co-led by, um, it's the Miller and Paul's group, so it, it's Jerry and, and Jeff. And they're gonna, their group um, generally is it's going to meet at uh, different places. I think the first couple of weekends, it's, uh, Jeff, Jeff Paul's has, has agreed to host that the first couple of weekends. And it's going to be at 6 p.m. on Sunday. Now, in the past, we've, um, the, the weekend before, or the weekend of the life groups, we've all met out there in the front. And, and but. Because of the time that we're in and the, and the emphasis on social distancing still, we're, we're not going to do that. Instead, the, predominant, the primary way to sign up for these life groups is going to be online. So if you, if you go to the website, I, I wish I had talked about this. We could have had a picture up there of what to do. But if you go to the website and you scroll down just a little bit, there's a, a, a row of buttons and it says quick links. Just click on the life group quick link in the, at the website, ljchurch.org, and, and then that'll take you to a page, and you'll see, you'll see pictures of all of the life group leaders, um, and you'll see so, a little bit more information that I've given you today, but mostly the same information, and there's a button at the top of that page that says sign up for life group, so that's what you want to hit. Sign up for that life group, and then there's some drop-down lists, and it's a pretty cool web form, and you hit that button, and it'll come to us, and we'll know who you're going to, um, and, and then that information will get to the leaders. It's and, and then they'll, call, they'll contact you. That's the important part is, is they need to know who you are. And that's why we sign up. We, uh, we don't, we're not taking attendance and we're not, well, we might be, but it's not really that, that good. But, but it's not, uh, the, the main reason that we want you to sign up is so the leaders will know who you are so they can get in contact with you 
tell you where to go, discuss what it's going to be like and things like that. So it's, it's important that you, you get online and sign up. Now, if for, uh, and, and to help with that, we're going to send out a, a text message. I haven't, haven't, haven't got that going yet, but this, you should get a text if you're part of our, our, of our LJC update. should get a text having a link to that web page also. And we may even be able to put it on the Facebook page. Can we put a post on the Facebook page? I don't know who's, yeah, we can put a post, post on there because some people do Facebook and don't like to type LJ Church into the, into the address bar and things like that. But you, you do your Facebook through the phone. So but we're going to try to have as many ways as possible. And finally, if, you, if you're Jerry Miller and you like paper, there is a paper sign-up sheet out here on the, on the bar. And along with, a, with what I'm holding here, it'll show you the, the details about the groups. And it also has their phone numbers on it, the leader's phone numbers. So fill out your name and how many people are going to be in the group and, and your phone number on that list out there. I had to handwrite phone number in because I, I messed up and didn't put it on, but, but it's on there. So put all that stuff on that list, and then the leader will talk to you, will contact you, and let you know about it. Um, and finally, the last way the, is if you know which group you want to go to, talk to the leader. Just tell them, I'm going to go to your group, and they'll that's just fine too. Um, so there's a lot of ways to sign up. We want everybody to participate. I, I'll guarantee you that if you participate consistently in life groups, you will come away happier and more fulfilled than you would um, if you didn't. So I, 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 it, is, it, is a, it is a wonderful thing that, that these leaders do, and we, we greatly appreciate all of their efforts and giving up their homes and their time to, to do this. And please take advantage of it. It's, it's a part of, of this fellowship that, that that everyone should uh, should enjoy, and we hope that there's a life group out there that, that everyone can fit into. And that that's all I have. Thank you. Sign up and let me know if you have any questions. You can call me. You can catch me out front here. I'll be out here a while. Just find the kid in the wheelchair or listen for him, and I'm probably nearby. And thank you very much. Once again, I want to thank everybody for their attendance and for joining us online. Thank you very much. Uh, once again, I want to thank you for your financial support. Also, would like to ask that each of you would remember uh, us as leaders in your prayers that we, uh, God will guide us in how to use uh, your generous contributions. That's a, a very important decision, and we, we need God's help in that. Um, just a few more announcements. Uh, the cookout, let me mention that once again, October the 11th, Sunday, 4 o'clock at uh, mine and Arlene's house. Uh, hope to have everyone, or as many people as possible, like I said, we'll be outdoors, so that should certainly help on, the, on uh, anything. Um, Alan had several announcements on his update regarding people who are requesting our prayers. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience, when you're going through a troubling time, it is very very encouraging to know that people are in fact praying for you. It is a great comfort uh, to know that. Uh, at this time, I'm going to impose upon Vic and Vicki, if y'all would maybe make your way to the foyer back there, and that way if someone hasn't met you yet, then they, they will have the opportunity. So if y'all want to go ahead and that way we can, everyone can meet and greet our newest members, that'd be great. I'd appreciate that. Sorry to impose upon you like that, uh, but I appreciate that. Uh, Kevin Hunter's mother uh, had some uh, issues with some uh, bleeding in her brain. She's going to have an angiogram tomorrow for some more diagnostics to see uh, what type of treatment or whatever they can do there. So let's keep uh, Kevin uh, and his mother uh, in our prayers 
um, as well. Uh, so <clears throat> thank you very much. The life groups, I want to encourage you, you notice we have several life groups. Uh, so that way, multiple opportunities. Uh, Jesus said, you know, he came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And this is one way in which we uh, uh, can have small groups to get to know people, become close, to share. Uh, that's what it's all intended for. If there is a need that you have, a study that you would like, or another day that you would like to meet that would meet your needs, that would help you out, we are more than willing to try and accommodate you and help you uh, as, as much as we can. Uh, if there's nothing further, let's have a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just come before you and just want to praise, honor, and glorify you. And Lord, we just praise, pray that the things that are done today here have... Uh, encouraged, have exhorted, has uh, worshipped you, uh, has glorified you. And Lord, just let us humbly always walk in your service. Uh, let us be your ambassadors. Let us constantly uh, be the light for Jesus. Uh, Lord, we just pray for those that are physically ailing. Just Lord, just ask that you would heal them. Uh, we just uh, ask that you would also give them patience as uh, they suffer from whatever that may be. And Lord, we also just want to pray for those that are spiritually suffering, for those that are hurting, for those that, are, that do not know you. Let us uh, be willing, let us be able uh, to reach out to them, to uh, minister to them, to, to always be ready to, uh, to give a reason for why we hope in you. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you would bless each person here. Thank you for Alan for his message today. Uh, Lord, just let us be worthy of the calling, not for our glory, but for your glory. Lord, just thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Just thank you for the forgiveness of sins that we have. Uh, Lord, let us go out and, and, and always uh, put you first in our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you would please let's stand for this closing song. Rise up, O church of God.